Hello and welcome in. Thanks for joining us for the latest edition of the Prairie in Smith podcast. Fall camp is officially underway and Sunbelt football is just weeks away. We'll get to today's episode in just a moment, but before we do, we wanted to remind you to go listen to our last episode, the second in our season preview series. We spoke with Coastal Carolina head coach Tim Beck about the upcoming season for the Chanticleers. If you haven't already, you'll want to make that a priority. Today on episode 97 of the show, we're excited to continue our season preview series with the James Madison Dukes and head coach Kurt Signetti. The Dukes went 8-3 in 2022 in their first season at the FBS level. Caden, they shared the Sunbelt East title and even spent some time inside the AP Top 25 during their inaugural FBS season, a season that many have called the greatest FBS transition in history. Caden, James Madison came into last year. They were billed as the underdog. This year, in stark contrast, they're coming in as the top dogs in the East. They've lost some key pieces on offense, but the defense is largely intact. Should we bet on or against the Dukes in 2023? Yeah, this is a hard team to bet against. What they did last year was just simply what they've been doing at the FCS level, and they proved they can clearly translate their game to the FBS level. So they're going to be looking to double down on that. They're going to be looking to keep building on their culture that they've already had. For them, they didn't flinch when they made that transition. And other teams, they made other teams flinch, quite frankly, and they clearly shook them enough to where they garnered a respect of other teams in the conference to be that top dog expected to come out of the East. So it seems like the coaches and the people who voted or the preseason polls aren't betting against James Madison, and I'm surely not going to do that as well this season. Yeah, certainly they proved a lot of teams wrong last year. They were picked sixth in that uh, Sunbelt East. We saw how that turned out. No one's betting against the Dukes this year. Well, as promised, we're talking James Madison. The man, Kurt Signetti, is here. Let's not waste any more time. It's time to hear from Coach Kurt Signetti. Excited to be joined by James Madison head coach, Kurt Signetti. Kurt, uh, thanks for coming on the Prairie and Smith podcast. Yeah, man. What an honor. I'll tell you. I'm so psyched. Well, let's uh, jump right into this conversation. Summer is obviously winding down. You and your staff, you guys have been running camps. You're doing recruiting. You've got a recruiting event later today. What's the summer been like for you? Have you gotten some downtime? Oh, yeah. Uh, July is vacation month for all of us coaches because June's really changed. You know, June used to be opponents. Uh, run some camps, maybe let the guys play golf at four o'clock, three o'clock, whatever. Now it's like madness, you know, with all the rule changes, official visits, uh, you know, kids are committing earlier because windows have changed. And it it, it really is one of the busier months now. And, And every coach cross country will tell you, you know, come vacation time. I mean, they're ready. Thanks again for joining us, coach. Your team made a big splash in your first season in the FBS, first season in the Sunbelt Conference. You obviously achieved a ton of team success, but also a ton of individual success at 12 guys earning all conference honors. What's been the message to this team as far as keeping that and sustaining that and building on that success? Well, I mean, you know, you, you got to go back in history a little bit. This is a program that's used to winning big and winning championships. Really since 2016, uh, pretty consistent. I mean, we're 48-3 at home the last seven years. We won seven of the last eight uh, championships uh, dating back to 2016. So th- this is a team that expects to win, knows how to win. Now you still have to do the things to win. And um, while the general public uh, is doing cartwheels over our season last year, of course it's over. But in my mind, 
we 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 could have won. We should have won ten games. But because you know, every coach across America looks at those times they came short and what should have happened uh, to get the desired result. So you know, it was a nice finish. Uh, the way we uh, played in our last game had a little sort of Sun Belt East champion celebration on our field because, of course, we weren't eligible uh, to play in the championship uh, the following week. Uh, so this is a new year. That means nothing. We're picked first. Last year we picked sixth. I think uh, it's a show of respect. It means nothing. We all know it means nothing. It's going to be one between the white lines. Our guys are accustomed to being in that position. So uh, I don't see that affecting us very much. Coach, to your point, uh, I think my favorite part of media days was getting to see those Kings of the East uh, championship rings that a couple of your guys were wearing. Um, you know, last year, you know, you guys, st- you go eight and three, you share that Sunbelt East division title this year. Again, you mentioned preseason favorites. I wanted to ask what goes into that goal setting process? What does that look like for you and your staff each year? It's a process. I think you hit it right there. You know, Every 24 hours, you're trying to get the most out of each day uh, to gain an edge every minute, every hour, every day. We really don't uh, talk about like result-oriented things. A lot of coaches across the country will, will speak the same kind of language. You know, the first time I was sort of involved with that uh, fully was with uh, Coach Saban uh, when I went in with him in 2007, part of his original staff. Walt Harris used to talk about too at Pitt. But uh, – you know, we tr- truly do try to embrace that, uh, play that way too. One play at a time, six seconds of play. Every play's got a life and history of its own. Play every play like it's nothing, nothing. Don't be affected by success or failure on to the next play. Um, that way you play your best football at the end. Uh, we don't, you know, we don't get 100% buy-in on that because kids are result-oriented. We have to fight things like the media, you guys, you know, who like to talk about result-oriented things. We try to stay with process-oriented things. So, uh, but, uh, for the most part, when you have a lot of older guys on your team that have been through it, understand what you're preaching and buy into it, uh, they can get the younger guys to assimilate. And you lose star quarterback, Todd who's now gone, who was just absolutely electric last season. You have this quarterback battle that will now play into fall camp. We've heard great reports about Alonzo Barnett and Jordan McLeod. What traits do you and Tino Sinceri look at when choosing a quarterback and what goes into that process? Well, you know, every quarterback we've had here, this is going to be my fifth year has been the player of the year in the conference on offense. We've had three different guys, three different styles. We've tweaked the offense uh, according to their styles. Um, so, you know, last year at this time, nobody really had heard of Todd Santeo, uh very much either. So, you know, we have four quarterbacks in our program that I think are all capable. Uh, and I'm just going to start with oldest to youngest, okay? Uh, Jordan McLeod has started 19 games, started at USF as a freshman, transferred to Arizona, started a few games, got hurt. They brought a new guy in following year. He went to portal. Um, Billy Atkins, it's his fourth year with the program. He was the backup most of the season. Uh, Alonzo Barnett has had two spring balls in a fall camp. He can run. He can throw. Um, you know, he just needs reps. And then we got Brett Griffiths from Wake Forest, who's got a skill set too. So now you can't work four quarterbacks in fall camp. We're just looking for a guy to separate. And, uh, play winning football on Saturdays. Uh, you know, before you win a game, you got to make sure you don't lose the game. Some of the best plays that are never talked about are the plays that get you back to second and 10 instead of second and 19 or, or a turnover. We did turn the ball over too much last year, uh, and we've got to cut down on those. Um, but I feel good that we'll have enough playmakers on the outside 
And hopefully this quarterback decision can be easy. You know, Todd last year uh, improved uh, significantly from the spring to the fall. And early in camp, it was very evident that he was going to end up being the starting quarterback. We didn't announce him. There was no need to. Why announce him? And now he's got to do five interviews a day, right? So uh, hopefully it's an easy decision this fall. But it's 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 truly wide open. It's truly wide open. So we'll see. Well, it will certainly be something that uh, we'll be keeping our eye on over the next month. Uh, Coach, talking wide receivers here, you guys have lost Chris Thornton, Terrence Green, Devin Ravenel, Drew Painter. I don't want to remind you of all those guys that are gone, but that's a lot of missing production. Uh, you guys went and brought in several guys from the transfer portal. You've got some guys that have been in the program for a while. What should we expect from this wide receiver room this fall? I think we've got enough there. Um, you know, Reggie Brown returns, who's a dynamic player. Uh, he's been here since 2018. It's his last go around. Uh, you know, he can be a big play guy, uh, capable of catching a lot of balls for a lot of yards. Uh, you know, he's got everything you're looking for. And, uh, you know, every year it's a little bit different out there at wide receiver. We had Antoine Wells here for a year or two. Um, caught 85 balls as a freshman, used to move him around all over the place. Did the same thing with Chris Thornton some last year. Reggie Brown's a guy we can do that with too. But, uh, you know, I like Taji Hudson, who came to us in the spring. Uh, we haven't had him on the practice field yet. The summer reports are great. Uh, Troy Lewis, another transfer, had a nice spring. Amarian Dawson from USF started 12 games there. He's really fast. Uh, and Phoenix Sproul started 29 games at North Dakota State. Um, you know, Elijah Surratt caught a lot of balls last year at St. Francis. And we, we signed five freshmen, too. So there's going to be some new faces out there. Uh, but, you know, I think we'll be okay. And Reggie Brown, too, is the, is the guy, you know. I mean, we can get that guy the ball. And we got other guys with skill sets. Yeah, I think fresh faces is kind of be going to kind of be a theme for this offense this year. It's not often that you lose your top passer, your top rusher, and your top receiver at the same time, especially guys who've put their names atop those school record books. How have you and offensive coordinator Mike Shanahan kind of approached replacing that production and maybe changing the offensive identity and kind of having a pulse on what's going to be your your key to attacking defenses this year? Well, what hadn't changed is, you know, we return our top eight offensive linemen. And uh, the top five guys have almost 120 career starts. And I really like our tight end room, and we've added a couple 260-pound-plus guys there too. And I like our running back room a lot. So we've always run the ball pretty well here. And, uh, you know, the better you can run the ball, you take some pressure off the quarterback. So, um, you know, it's always a group effort. Uh, I've got guys uh, that have been with me quite a while. My line coach, Robo, Damian Robluski, has been with me seven years. Mike's been with me eight. And uh, Tino came aboard two years ago. Um, John Miller's been with me. This will be his fourth season. And Grant Kane's been here from the beginning, his fifth season. So uh, the offense hasn't changed. It's stayed the same. The language has stayed the same. Uh, we do tweak, you know, some things, but, uh, you know, we'll highlight what we think we do well, and it gives us the best chance week to week. Well, there is certainly no denying that those fronts, both on offense and defense, are, are ready for another big season. Coach, talking about your defense, uh, it was outstanding last year, highlighted by ranking among, you know, the best. Uh, you guys were just behind Georgia in terms of opponent rushing yards allowed per game last year. Uh, we don't want you to give away all your secrets, but what would you say is kind of the key to that unit's success, and how can you guys replicate uh, that this year? Well, you know, there aren't really a lot of secrets to kicking a guy's ass and defeating a block. That's fair. <laughs> and that, that's why we stopped the run, <laughs> you know. But, uh, 
philosophically, uh, when this all started with Corey Heatherman, uh, who was with us for three years, you know, it was all geared toward stopping the run TFLs and sacks. And that really hasn't changed much. So we recruit to that. Uh, the upfront guys like that philosophy. It attracts them to the program. But, you know, we're also going to scheme to that, too. Uh, now, within that, that's freed up the linebackers. And we got two good ones in Torres Jones and Jalen Walker, you know, to make a lot of plays. So, um, you know, we are committed to stopping the run. If we got to put a little more pressure on the defensive backs, we will. Has it hurt us at times? Yeah, it's hurt us at times. Have we made some adjustments this year against some teams that do a good job of throwing the ball? Yeah, we have. Um, but Brian Haynes did a great job in his first year as coordinator with me. He's been with me nine years. He's really a good football mind. Got a good staff on defense. And uh, we returned, you know, 13 of our top 16 guys, really 17. We lost Sam Kidd, too. Um, so we got a good nucleus on defense back. We got a good nucleus on offense back. We just lost some key playmakers. And, you know, our specialists are back also. And we've added the Arkansas State punter, who's first team uh, all-conference. Perfect transition, Coach. We were just about to get on the topic of those two linebackers. We feel like that linebacking duo of Jalen Walker and Taurus Jones may be the best duo in the entire conference, both on and off the field. What do you think separates those guys from the rest? Uh, first of all, they can really move. Uh, you know, they're quick, they're flexible, and, and they can run. They're very instinctive, and they have high football IQs. And then I think uh, Brian Haynes does a great job of preparing them week in, week out. So uh, Walker made a number of big plays, had some big interceptions, returns for touchdown, big interception against App at the end of the game. Taurus Jones, too, all over the field. Yeah, those those two guys can play. And we got a couple of young guys behind them we really like, too. Yeah, that uh, unit uh, should really anchor that defense. Coach, last question here. Off-season workouts are obviously in the rear view. Fall camp begins this week. Uh, who are some players on this roster, maybe on offense and defense, that fans just aren't as familiar with that you've liked what you've seen that maybe you'll predict are going to have big seasons this year? Well, you know, I don't like to make those kind of predictions because everything's earned, not given. And I think there's a big difference between the summer conditioning program and football. It's hard to simulate football. And Derek Owens, my strength and conditioning coordinator and his staff, they do a great job. I have 100% trust in them in the summer. And our kids have made a lot of progress. But the movements in football are are hard to simulate. And, you know, there's a football IQ. Uh, there's a little bit of heart, desire, toughness, you know, football intelligence uh, that go into things. A lot of intangibles go into being a player. Uh, it's not just being big, strong, and fast. So we do have about 40% of our roster, 38% of our roster's new faces. I think that's probably the norm across the country with the NIL and portal. Some people have turned over 50% of their roster. So a lot of the, most of the new guys we had in the spring transfer was. Uh, now we'll add a few more transfers and the high school guys. But here's one thing, and I think all coaches are seeing this. Like these COVID guys that got the extra year, there's still two classes of those guys out there. And the maturity, the difference in maturity level right now between the upperclassmen and the freshmen, I've never seen it so great. So, you know, while all the freshmen will get a chance to show what they can do this particular year, you know, we just have so many upperclassmen that I could see, you know, a lot of the young guys redshirt. But there's a few guys in positions of need that, that will have a chance to help us. So it's hard for me to answer that question. Hopefully uh, they all do great. we got great depth, uh, puts ourselves in the possession 
position to you know be successful. Yeah, it's certainly a fascinating time in college football. Well, Coach, I uh, appreciate you taking some time today. We certainly will have our eye on your team during fall camp and uh, wish you and your guys uh, best of luck this coming season. Thanks, guys. Well, Caden, that was a lot of fun. We've talked about Kurt on the podcast a lot in the history of this show. It was fun to talk to him in person. Also loved hearing that he doesn't do many podcasts, Caden, that this might have been amongst the first for Kurt Signetti. Yeah, definitely good to get coach on. He made it clear that the podcast scene was not necessarily his scene or something he likes to do. So we really appreciate him joining us on the podcast, showing excitement to talk to us and excitement about this James Madison team heading into the season. Okay, and I don't know about you, but one thing that I always appreciate about Coach Signetti, he keeps it real. There was a couple of questions in there that I asked that he, you know, he gave a the right answer uh, to. Uh, but he he's definitely a confident guy, and I think he's extremely confident in in what his team has coming back this season. Yeah, he definitely is. I think when you look at the culture they've built year after year, he kind of got to pop off a little bit and kind of showcase some of the abilities that maybe I didn't know that his team had had as far as whether it's quarterback consistency over the years, whether it's their their ability over the years to consistently produce in areas that maybe going into the season they weren't going to produce. And so I feel like trying to bet against some of the holes that you might see on this roster, just given Kirk's confidence about his team and his track record, again, going to be very hard to bet against and very excited to see who's going to be, be able to step up for this team. It seems like we know who's going to step up as far as the players we're accustomed to seeing do their thing in Harrisonburg. But just given the nature of this team and the nature of the beast, there will be some new faces and there will be new faces that will likely do well this season. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, plenty of new faces in some high value roles. I think of quarterback, wide receiver, uh, running back, just to name a few, although there are a lot of talented guys coming back. We'll get into that more as this episode progresses. But Caden, James Madison, they finished last year 8-3, and 6-2 and two in Sunbelt play. Uh, they defeated Coastal Carolina 47-7 to to end uh, their regular season. That's gave their fan base something to enjoy pretty much all offseason. That win secured them a Sunbelt East Division title. Uh, the Dukes also secured their first ever ranking inside the AAP Top 25 during their first season at the FBS level last year. This year, though, Caden, they're picked in the coaches' poll as the Sunbelt East Division champs. Uh, they can't play for the conference title and a bowl appearance is a long shot right now. What are your expectations for James Madison heading into 2023? Yeah, we'll talk about it more when we head into their actual schedule, but just given what they've returned on the defensive side of the ball alone, I think you can at least expect them to get back to that five, six. Like I think their defense alone can win them five or six games, literally, just because I don't think their offense is going to have to do that much. It's going to be about can that quarterback and some of those other little gaps they have right now, as far as production goes, can those areas step up in that role we're going to find out very soon just because the beginning of their schedule is so tough so maybe they'll drop a couple games in the beginning of the year but I do expect this team to get back to that same winning mark they lost three games last year all kind of in a bunch because of tots and tail maybe they lose some of those in the beginning of the season as they try to get their feet but I expect this team to get back to that eight nine win mark yet again yeah definitely I think that is in the cards for this Dukes team but certainly no favors done in terms of schedule we'll talk about that at the end of the episode well Caden, offense is going to be a big talking point this season for James Madison. Uh, you lose several key pieces, program legends even, this offseason, none bigger than Tot Centeno. You've got a kind of a two-horse race at this point for the quarterback position from what we're hearing. It really does sound like it's Alonzo Barnett or Arizona transfer Jordan McLeod who are kind of battling, and that decision is expected to come later in fall camp. 
what do you make of the quarterback battle of James Madison, Caden? And, and do you have any thoughts on who you think might come out on top? For me, I think it's honestly, mm, yeah, I'll just go out and say it. I think it's the biggest quarterback battle in the conference. Like I talked about before, I think I'm going to keep using this phrase that it's life without Tots and Tail. I feel like the three losses last season, like I mentioned, were all related to this guy's injury. And I, if I'm being honest, I feel like James Madison getting picked at the top of the bolt, polls for the East is somewhat a slight on Tots and Tail and how important he was to this team and how much he impacted winning. I naturally expect to see a little bit of a drop-off at this position just because of how good he did. But you talked about it. Jordan McLeod being by far the most experienced, I think is what's going to give him the nod heading into the season. He had some mixed reviews as far as spring ball. It kind of took him a little bit to get going. But I do think when you have to go and have tough road games to start off your season, you're going to want your most experienced quarterback you can get in the mix. I think Brett Griffiths and um, Alonzo Barnett both provide that rushing ability that Signetti likes that might be able to make up for some of them deficiencies. So I think maybe if we don't see great things out of Jordan McLeod earlier. Somebody early, we might have to see that happen because I think this is a team that's going to have to rely on the run game a little bit more and a quarterback that's able to do that might be able to help them. But I do think, listen, the the track record of the quarterback position is tough to bet against. I do have my worries. And I think this might be one of the bigger challenges that this quarterback room and this offense has had in a while. But Kurt mentioned it. Todd didn't really separate himself until the fall camp. So they have some time to do that. And he's Kurt Sinetti is really waiting for someone to separate himself. I am worried that it's kind of an even race. He said it's an open, a truly wide open battle. But I think as long as they have some guy kind of emerge during fall camp, I wouldn't worry about this position at, at all. And if I had to bet on anyone doing that, I would bet on Jordan McLeod. Yeah, I think that is probably the safe bet there, Caden. I also would say, though, I don't know how long uh, the leash would be here early on in the season. Uh, but to your point, Caden, uh, they have certainly proven that they can develop quarterbacks. I think of guys like Ben DiNucci. I think of uh, you know, Todd Santeo last year and, and several others. So certainly no reason to bet against the Dukes when it comes to quarterback, but certainly something to uh, keep an eye on as we head into fall camp and even at the beginning of the season. Staying on offense, though, Caden, when you look at this team, you lost program legend Percy J. Obisay this offseason at the running back position. But the more people you talk to, Caden, they think that the Dukes are going to be just fine at the running back position. You've got Kalen Blackback, Latrell Palmer's in there, Stony Book transfer, Tyson Lawton are all battling for snaps in that backfield. Despite that loss of a Jay Obese, Caden, are you buying that James Madison is going to have an even better rushing attack this fall? Yeah, I'm buying it. Obviously, Percy's a big loss for them. He's the eighth leading rusher all time in program history. But when you mention the names like Kalen Black, like Latrell Palmer, and a Tyson Lawton from Stony Brook, who I anticipate having a big role and being in the mix just from what we've heard from reports. I think they're also going to have a big task this season as well. I think when you lose a Todd Sinteo, who was also this team's third leading rusher and their second leading rusher as far as touchdowns go, he had seven touchdowns last year. He was a big, he was pretty much a, an almost guarantee when you get in the red zone with his legs as far as being able to score. And that might be an element of this offense that doesn't exist this year. So I think even from just a scoring standpoint, there's going to be a lot more responsibility on these running backs. And I think their skill set is going to lend them to be well and do well in this system. And even if the quarterback position maybe takes a step back, they might have to run the ball even more. So I am buying into this three-headed monster they have at running back. I think it's going to be a great unit. I think Kalen Black has the potential to emerge as the team's top every down back, despite Palmer getting more touches and more yards last year. I love how he can catch out the backfield. He had nearly five yards per carry last season. But I think a combination of the continuity and offensive line, plus them maybe having less of the quarterback position and me liking the running backs, I think we could expect more out of this unit and there might be more on their plate as well and they'll be able to answer that bell. Yeah, I kind of feel like Kurt maybe even alluded to that a little bit uh, when we talked to him early in this episode. Uh, at some point, you look at the strengths of your team and you lean into those. Um, 
Kane, one of the areas of this team, and you just mentioned it, that I am most excited about are the collective line units on both offense and defense. On offense, you're bringing back your entire offensive line anchored by Nick Kidwell, who we had on uh, Friday's episode last week. That unit, though, should be amongst the best in the Sun Belt. And then on defense, Caden, you lost Jamari Edwards and Isaac Ukwu, but you bring in several guys from the portal. You have five of your top seven guys returning, including uh, Jamri Chroma, Mikhail Kamara, along with all-conference pick James Carpenter. Caden, are you as excited about these groups as I am? I'm very excited, Noah, and I think it's going to be a lot of trench warfare for James Madison this season. If they don't get necessarily what they're expecting out of their quarterback position, especially, I expect them to heavily lean on their guys that are going to have their hands in the ground. You talk about the offensive line group headed up by Nick Kibwell. He told us at Media Days, no matter who's playing quarterback for this team, he feels very confident that his unit's going to protect them. They're going to have time to think, and they're not have to, going to have to worry about getting hit. That's huge for whoever you're throwing in at quarterback. They run the ball very well. We talked about it before. They might have to run it even more this season just based on their personnel, and I have full confidence that they'll be able to do that. I think when you look at this unit, they showed a lot of toughness last year. They played through a ton of injuries. They had the same kind of five, six-man rotation they were going off of last year. They did a great job of protecting Tots and Teo as well last year, who as a mobile quarterback was not easy to stop. Only got sacked 15 times, though. The offensive line, I think, is going to be the strength and foundation of this offense, no matter what happens with all of the question marks surrounding it. On the defense, is going to be the same exact thing. This defensive line unit was absolutely nasty last year. Kirk Sinetti talked about what they were able to do to teams up front, all led by James Carpenter in the middle, stuffing things, who was able to lead this defense, or this defensive line, rather, in tackles last season, which is very impressive from that spot. Oku is obviously a big loss, but this team, like he mentioned, returns like 17 of their top, or 13 of their top 17 guys, seven guys up front from last season back, a hungry group of dudes that are just waiting to get after it. And I think, kind of like the offensive line, this defensive line is going to set the tone for the defensive side of the ball and make everything so much smoother for the guys around them. I think they're going to be able to stop, stop, stop up gaps, apply pressure, do what they always do. I like the addition of Emmanuel Bush as well on the inside, another 300-pounder from Marshall. You mentioned some of the guys that are returning, but I think their combination of their culture they've already set in both sides of the ball, returning a ton of talent up front. The scouting report is going to be very similar to how it was last season for both of these teams up front. They're going to be physical, they're going to get after you, and you're going to have to pack your lunch. They're going to be a physical unit that's going to impose their will both on offense and defense. And I think that'll take this team a long way this season. Okay. And I think even if you pack your lunch, that defensive line might take your lunch uh, up front there. Well, Kane, one of the areas of this team that we have been most high on this off season is that JMU linebacking core. Um, when we ranked our top 10 linebackers back in episode 87 of the show, we had Torres Jones and Jalen Walker at number two and number four, respectively. Plus, you've still got Chris uh, Ch uh, Chuck Winecki. I, I, I practiced that a few times. It didn't come out as well as I thought it would um, back at the rover position. But, Kane, this unit was a big reason why JMU held opponents to nearly 100 yards under their season average in games last year. I'm expecting this to be amongst the conference's best linebacking cores once again this season. Yeah, when football season starts and I have a couple TVs set up and I'm watching multiple games at the same time, whenever this James Madison defense is on the field, they're going to be very hard for me not to watch. And a lot of that has to do with this linebacking unit. Kurt Signetti mentioned it before. The defensive line and their dominance allows these linebackers to get the absolute most out of their game possible. And when you have guys that are athletic, like Taurus Jones, like Jalen Walker, like Chris Chukwinecki, it's going to be very scary for defenses. I think you're getting the the most out of these guys. There's other linebackers in the conference who might be just as athletic, just 
just as much skill set IQ and able to bring those things to the table. But they don't have guys like James Carpenter up front smashing the A-gaps, having two guys blocking him and making things clear as day. These dudes that are playing linebacker for this James Madison team, they're twitchy, they're athletic, they're flexible, and they just wreck stuff. They're able to be game wreckers from that inside linebacker role off the ball, which is very rare. Usually a lot of linebackers have to get on the ball at the line of scrimmage at that end spot to be disruptive. But these guys have all proven they can be disruptive, whether it's TFLs, tackles, forced fumbles, interceptions, they cause turnovers and they wreak havoc. These guys are able to play free. I'm excited for the impact they're going to have on this season. And I feel like they just know they have complete confidence in the guys up front of them. They can play downhill. They can play fast. And I'm very excited about this unit. I think it's not ridiculous to say at all. This is a top unit in the conference. And even if you look at college football season, we'll see how it plays out this year as far as linebacker play across the power five. But look out for these two guys, especially Taurus Jones, especially Jalen Walker, if they continue to build in their season last year to have the NFL call on their name here sooner or later. Yeah, Kane, I think it's fascinating because when you look at uh, defensive construction and Kirk kind of touched on it, um, you know, you build that strong unit up front. It allows you to maybe take a little bit more risks uh, at that defensive back position. Is it going to come back to bite you every once in a while? Yep. Uh, but certainly they have to feel confident uh, with that front, you know, seven players uh, heading into this season. Caden, this JMU secondary, we always talk secondaries on this show. They lost Sam Kidd. Uh, you also lose Jordan Swan uh, from last year's unit. Uh, Swan started all 11 games while Kidd started the first seven before missing the last four games of the season with injury. You're bringing back free safety Josh Cheese Surratt, and you keep talented freshman uh, Chauncey Logan at cornerback. Overall, Caden, this unit is bringing back eight of their top 10 defensive backs. They allowed opponents to complete just 55% of their passes a season ago and throw for just 210 yards per game. With all these guys back, though, Caden, it does look like on paper that they are ready to be as good, if not better, than they were in 2022. Yeah, it's hard to say better just because Josh Swan and Sam Kidd were that impactful. They were great players. If you had to choose out of the eight of the 10 you lost and you had to pick two, they might be the last two you pick. Quite frankly, I think Chauncey Logan obviously was upside as a freshman. Maybe he's in that conversation too. But when you talk about how good this defense is from the back to the front or from the front to the back, rather, you're not worried about this defensive backfield at all. Like The same way we talked about the confidence that these linebackers can play with because of the defensive line in front of them, the same applies for this defensive backfield. They have linebackers in front of them who they know underneath coverage is going to be taken care of. These are guys that get their hands on balls. These are guys that get interceptions at the linebacker spot. And when you have a pass rush paired with that and the teams that aren't able to run the ball, it's great for a defensive back. If I had to choose to play defensive back for any team in the conference right now, it would be this one just because I know going into every game, I would have so much confidence in the other guys around me that they'd be just fine. You mentioned it. Josh Surratt, I have huge high hopes for this season playing with his brother who's now playing wide receiver. I'm sure they've had some fun battles at practice, but he's an experienced guy that's looking to build on the great season he had last year. I've talking big about Chauncey Logan being a big corner as a freshman that led this team in pass breakups. I think he's going to build on that this season, maybe get some of that NFL hype train as well going. But then you talk about guys like Brent Austin and Devin Coles who are going to fill into roles who have experience from last season as well. Very confident in this defensive back unit in general if they didn't have all-stars playing in front of them, but they have all-stars playing in front of them. So their job, is going to, their job is going to be very easy. I expect them to get their hands on a lot of bowls and them to be very disruptive this season looking ahead. Well, Kane, you're making a lot of people in Harrisonburg very happy with those glowing reviews of that defense. Maybe not as much in Boone, North Carolina. They probably think you're a little bit of a traitor after <laughs> uh, that last answer. But <laughs> Caden, uh, lastly, we've got to talk some special teams. I've actually really enjoyed talking special teams on these previews. Um, the Dukes last year, they ranked 97th out of 133 teams in special teams 
Uh, this offseason, though, Kate, and they bring in, you know, all-conference punter Ryan Hansen from Arkansas State, who had nearly a 44-yard-per-punt average a year ago. He's in the mix. You get kicker Camden Wise back. You also bring back Solomon Van Horse as your primary kick returner. Caden, it seems like there's a path for this James Madison team to see an improvement on special teams this fall. You talked about the continuity, a lot of those key spots, and I feel like going into the season, that's definitely an area of confidence for every team. I think when you don't have to replace a returner, you don't have to battle and see guys muffing punts and much at muffing kickoffs in the offseason to try to figure out who your guys are. It definitely gives you a level of confidence. But another thing I would look at to improve upon, kind of similar how I talked with Coastal Carolina, this is a team that brought in a ton of transfers and has a ton of athletic dudes. And maybe if this unit, uh, on top of their kicking game, if they can take a step up in some of their coverage units with some just freaky athletes across the ball on both sides of the ball, running down on kickoff and doing great coverage, I think this team can achieve that championship level of special teams that may be able to take them a little bit past the top, a little bit a step up as far as an entire team DNA and what they're able to do this season. Hey, certainly the uh, floor extremely high for this James Madison team. The ceiling might even be higher. Well, Kane, let's talk schedule. The Dukes come in. Vegas has them sitting at seven and a half games uh, with the over-under heading into the fall. James Madison does have a huge opportunity, though, in the first four weeks of the season. You've got Buck Nell in week one. Week two, though, they head to in-state foe Virginia for a pivotal early season game. Is that one winnable maybe with strong quarterback play? I think it is. Then you've got Troy on the road. That game's going to be on national television, kind of a preview of what last year's uh, Sunbelt Championship game maybe should have been. You'll play your third consecutive road game in week four when you travel all the way out to Utah, Utah to take on Utah State. Okay, and that's just the four weeks of this schedule. It's insane. Then you welcome South Alabama. You get Georgia Southern coming off your bye. Then you got to go to tr- Marshall in the next four weeks. Um, they've got a chance, though, to build a little bit of momentum at the end of October. You've got Old Dominion in town. Then you make the trip down to Atlanta to play Georgia State, a game that I think you and I are talking about pulling up to. But you end the season with a much-improved UConn team on November 11th before going up against App State and Coastal Carolina in the final two weeks of the regular season. Caden, this is probably the most challenging schedule in JMU history. I'm high on the Dukes, though, heading into 2023. But with a number of these new faces, Caden, I'll admit, looking at that win total, I'm on the fence when it comes to seven and a half wins this season. Yeah, as far as being a betting man, and if you were going to bet on season win totals, I think this one's an absolute stay away. I think when you just pair, like you mentioned, the difficulty of their non-conference schedule and their conference schedule, paired with some of the question marks at key spots, including that quarterback spot, I think it's just hard to bet the over in this situation if you were talking season win totals. Look, if the, if the season starts and we find out Jordan McLeod's the guy, he goes into Bucknell, takes care of business, pulls off an upset win against Virginia. We're going to be looking at this team very differently as far as the rest of the season goes. But it's just hard to bet on that, especially when you look at the beginning of the schedule. Maybe if you put some of those UConn and Georgia States and Old Dominion games a little bit higher in the schedule, you feel a little bit more confident. But I think this team's going to have to establish their identity on both sides of the ball very early on the road at Virginia, on the road against Troy, on the road at Utah State. I mean, weeks two through six is the last weeks two through six I think in the conference that I would want to play but I think when you look at a team with the pedigree of James Madison and their winning tradition they've built and what they did last season don't be surprised if they start rattling off wins early and able to kind of reestablish themselves in that top 25 pool I think it's a very boomer bust early start to the season for James Madison if they're able to replicate their start to the season like they did last year I think they'll be even higher in the polls just because of how much more impressive I think it would be given the names they're knocking off so I'm excited about the schedule overall but I think as far as some of the question marks 
and just the, the nature and the order of the schedule, definitely hard to bet on, on them doing well. Not betting against JMU. Don't want them coming at me as far as I'm betting against JMU. I still think they can get to that total. But I think they're definitely going to be tested very hard and very early this season. Yeah, Kane, it will be fascinating. Man, if you get off to, say, a 4-1 and one start in those first five games of the year, maybe you beat a Troy or a South Alabama or you take down a Virginia, suddenly there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be talking about the James Madison Dukes. Well, it's going to be a fascinating season for the Dukes. Definitely uh, excited to uh, follow along in their second season at the FBS level. Well, that'll do it for our James Madison preview on the Prairie and Smith podcast. Big shout out again goes to James Madison head coach Kurt Signetti as well as associate AD Chris Brooks for helping make today's conversation possible. Before you go, don't forget that we'll be back with the next episode of the Freire and Smith podcast on Monday. Our season preview series makes a stop in Mobile, Alabama as we welcome South Alabama head coach Kane Walmack to talk about the Jags upcoming season. That'll do it for us here at the Freire and Smith podcast. If you liked what you heard on today's episode, please consider leaving us a review or a quick five-star rating wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us and the show out. We're counting down the days to the start of the Sunbelt football season. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Freire. We really appreciate you spending time with us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon. <laughs>